Dear listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Pragati podcast every week. This week we are rebroadcasting an episode from September 2018. Genome sequencing and mapping is unearthing new knowledge about the origin of humans and human civilization. More than that, genome analysis is also yielding new insights about human health and will be vital for the medicines of the 21st century. Since this episode was first aired in September 2018, there's been fascinating new research expanding our understanding of how humans populated India and South Asia. Most recently, the first ancient genome from the Indus Valley civilization was analyzed and the results were published by a large group of researchers, including our guest today, Dr. K. Tangaraj. This episode takes a brief look at history and focuses on what new genomic information means for the health of all Indians. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Pragati Podcast, a weekly talk show on public policy, economics and international relations. We are your hosts, Hamsini Hariharan and Pavan Srinath. Joining me as a guest host today is Dr. Shambhavi Nayak, fellow at the Takshashila Institution. Dr. Tangaraj is a renowned scientist working at the Center for Cellular and Molecular Biology, CCMB, in Hyderabad. He has published extensively on the origin of humans, on genetics and disease and how they affect the lives of Indians. He has a host of publications in top journals like Nature and Science and is at the cutting edge of his field, not just in India, but in the world. We'll be back with Drs. Thangaraj and Nayak after this short break. Hello and welcome to a brand new week on the IVM network. If you're not following us on social media, please do. We are at IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you're listening to a show of ours and you like it, please take a screenshot, tag us. We will reshare, repost and retweet your screenshots from our account. Here's what's in store for you this week. On Cyrus Says, Cyrus is joined by Sarang Sate and Paula McGlynn of Bhadipa. Tune in for a fun conversation about how the Marathi digital platform came about. This week, IVM Podcast's co-founder Kavita Rajwade and Karthik Nagarajan take you through the journey of the Filter Coffee Podcast. They share their favorite memories from renowned guests and talk about what to look forward to in the show's future. On Marbles Lost and Found, Zen and Avanti host an AMA special where they answer listener questions. On Mr. and Mrs. Binge-Watch, Janice and Anirudh continue their Emmy special series. Tune in to know their picks from the comedy category. On Water Player, Mikhail, Akash and Siddharth are discussing the Ashes, the Afghanistan-Bangladesh match and a lot more. On Vartalab, it's a crossover episode. Hosts Akash and Naveen are joined by Anupam Gupta, host of Paisa Vesa. Tune in to discover a different side of Anupam on this podcast. On Agla Station Adulthood, Ayushi and Ritasha discuss how to navigate through relationships as adults. On Poliabazi, host Pranay talks to Samrat, a writer and journalist, about the causes and dynamics of the tensions in Northeast India. On Kinetic Living, coach Urmi shares a workout called X-Cross MC on Tabata Tuesdays and also highlights the importance of resting between workout routines on Thriving Thursdays. On Geek Fruit, hosts Tejas and Dinkar turn the tables from last week and this week discuss singers who decided to be actors and how they have fared. On the Pragati podcast, Manoj Keval Ramani joins our host Pawan to explain the ongoing Hong Kong protests and its history so far. And with that, let's get you back to your show. Welcome back. Hi Dr. Thangaraj, it's a pleasure to have you on the Pragati podcast. Hello. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me to speak here. Uh and Shambhavi, welcome back. 
So, Dr. Tangraj, you just uh, today morning gave an excellent talk at Takshashila about your work on the history of humanity as uh, unfolded by genetics, not just by archaeology and anthropology and other disciplines. It's uh, we are in an age where uh, genetics is able to give us more information and advance the our understanding of history even before writing and so on, and we. also find that the same history is also linked to our current human health and disease so if i can ask the first question how long ago did uh, humans come to india and how did we find out about it so the human modern human originated in africa about 160 to 200000 years ago and they started migrating out of africa our work on andamanis actually defined that uh, the modern human must have arrived indian subcontinent around 65 to 70000 years ago does this make the uh, andamanese population one of the oldest discovered outside africa uh, yes after that people have also studied uh, australian aboriginals okay but they are not pure they are all admixed the pure population who migrated out of africa are the andamanese and that's because of the quirk of geography right andamanese have sort of yes. remained as an isolated community yes they, yes they remained in isolation for last several thousands of years so that makes them as one of the very unique populations very unmixed unique populations still they carry their own uh, genome could you tell us a little bit about the science of how you can tell that they were they came to andamans about 70000 years ago so we used to use several uh, type of markers one is the markers which are inherited maternally that's the mitochondrial dna marker okay other one is inherited paternally that's okay. a y chromosome and there are also marker which inherits uh, by both the parents it's a autosomal markers so using the uniparently inherited markers like mitochondrial markers and y chromosome markers one can trace back the maternal and paternal lineages uh by also looking at the mutations in the mitochondrial dna one can calculate the age of the population okay since uh, the andamanis are in isolation for the last several thousands of years they acquired unique set of mutations so those mutations have helped us in calculating the age of the populations that turn out to be 65000 to 70000 years the mitochondrial dna are little circular pieces of dna right they're not there in the nucleus so they don't come from both the mother and the father right in a cell we have nuclear genome in a somatic cell that means that any part of the body if you take a cell uh it consists of nucleus that means within the nucleus there are 46 chromosomes right of that 23 we inherit from the mother 23 we inherit from the father whereas the mitochondria in a given cell there will be large number of mitochondria and each mitochondria there will be a large number of mitochondrial dna they are all inherited only through the mother because only the egg mitochondria remains there the sperm mitochondria remains outside at the time of fertilization so there is no paternal contribution of mitochondria so that way we can trace it back generation on generation yes. without this cross fertilization yes, right? yes yes 
Okay. So, uh, Dr. Thangaraj, if I may just ask, what are different sources of mutations uh, that actually contribute uh, to how the genome looks? Uh, and why is population isolation such an important factor in this case? Uh, if you take mitochondria, different region has a different mutation rate. Uh, mitochondrial DNA is 16.5 kilobase in length, circular DNA. Uh, unlike the nuclear genome, there is no intron. All the genes are arranged one after the other. Uh, on the other hand, there is also a region called hypervariable region. It is about uh, 1.5 kb in size. So, only that part is non-coding. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the mutation rate is very high within that uh, hypervariable region. So, that helps if somebody wanted to look at uh, immediate individual variations or uh, population-specific variation, one can use that hypervariable to uh, hypervariable region to find out this uh, difference. But uh, somebody want to look for the evolutionarily uh, conserved variations, they can be found only in the coding regions of the mitochondrial DNA. So those are the ones which we use to trace back the evolution of different population. They are very, very uh, consistent in nature. So you have mutations that happen in certain regions, what, once every few generations, once every few hundred years? Yeah. So there are mutations, for example, the hypervariable region uh, is the one which has a very fast evolving mutation rate. Maybe once in 400 to 500 years, one can find the mutation. Whereas in the coding region, some region uh, can have mutation once in several uh, hundreds or several thousands of years. Okay. So that helps at uh, in various level of or various uh, evolutionary stage, one can calculate uh, the age of the population. Okay. So, in that sense, just like we have seen all these species trees, right? Evolutionary trees of various species. So, what you're telling us that even within human beings, we can find something like an evolutionary tree of populations by looking at something like the mitochondrial DNA. Yes. So, one can, uh, there's a uh, scientific term called as haplogroups. Okay. So, based on specific mutation, population or people can be grouped in a specific haplogroup. Okay. So that is based on the mutations right. in a mitochondrial DNA. Uh, for example, the two populations are very recently diverged. Uh, you can see the most of the mutation would be common between this group. There will be very few uh, uh, makes a difference. So as I mentioned earlier, that different set of mutation will have different age. So one can actually calculate or how many hundreds or how many thousand years back these two populations have diverged. Okay. So so that's the advantage of using. And similarly, you can also find out about the male line via the Y chromosome. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so sa same way, the, the Y chromosome also uh, can be used for constructing the haplogroups. So okay. So based on the different set of mutations. So we know that the Andamanese are among the oldest um, uh, human beings with a unique population discovered outside Africa. But who are we as Indians today? Then? Where did we come from? I know it's a grand question. There are all kinds of debates about Aryan invasion, migration. But 
what is the base of what uh, genetics is telling us yeah it's it's very interesting for everybody to know our about our own origin uh, so we all part of particularly those who are in south india are part of the early human migration actually uh, when the andamanis were migrating taking the southern coastal route a group of them have stayed back in southern part of india okay uh, some migrated to andaman islands some stayed there some migrated further to australia okay so look at australian aboriginals andamanis and some populations south india particularly uh, population like those who are in kerala kurumba they all share a common genetic affinities so okay. that tells that uh, this is the way they have all migrated um in this process of studying uh, human uh, population genetics we came to know that uh, the the first modern human who settled in india are the one who migrated earlier as a part of uh, andamanis migration who settled in southern part of india we call them as ancestral south indians okay um that is the first settlement in indian subcontinent then the second wave of migration brought people towards north who are also related to middle eastern and uh, europeans whom we call as ancestral north indians okay and these two groups have gave rise to many populations and uh, this had happened for about uh, several thousands of years okay then during last 2000 to 4000 years back these two founding groups have admixed okay uh this and admixed, admixed means admixed they intermarried means they married they, okay. there was a marriage pattern between ancestral south indian and ancestral north indians okay this had happened for 2000 years after that for the last 2000 years every single population started maintaining the endogamy marriage endogamy in the sense marrying within, within the community or right. within the group and because of that so every single population is very unique now okay and we don't know the, what was the reason why everybody started maintaining the endogamy or marrying within the population one reason could be the caste system which uh, which arose around 1000 uh, 2500 years must have put more pressure for every population to maintain the endogamy right but the marriage pattern marrying within the group is much older than the caste system any uh, examples of that where we don't have caste but we still have this idea of marrying within the community uh, yes there are many uh, uh, particularly if you go to the remote place where the ancestral tribal groups are there particularly if you take even andamanis there are four tribal groups andamanis who typically look like africans like onge great andamanis jarwas and sentinelese uh, although they are all uh, typically look like africans but they marry within the group they don't marry between the groups um that's the best example who doesn't know anything about 
caste system <laughs> no they still marry uh, follow the uh, population specific marriage and does this make india unique in the world is this do you see this level of endogamy that exists in other parts of the world uh, you don't see such kind of endogamy and such a large number of uh, population groups anywhere in the world uh, it has been well established now based on the uh, anthropological evidence we have 4635 population groups in wow. india Wow. uh nowhere in the world you have such a huge human diversity uh this diversity uh, uh in a way uh very unique unique in terms of population as a whole and also the disease pattern is very unique when compared to other countries or other continent that's mainly because of the population specific marriage or the endogamy practice for the last 2000 years so comparatively we'd say europe which might be of a similar side might have only a few hundred such population yes. groups yes okay. Very yes okay so and so which means that there are specific uh, genetic problems within these communities and therefore studying india as a whole will not mean much until we study each of these yes if somebody population. studies one or two population and says that we have studied indian uh, population so that is not the right because we need to study every single population to understand the population history particularly to understand the uh, disease or health aspects of uh, these populations uh, you know it strikes me that apart from endogamy uh, even till very recently the i think the the pre scientific notion was that uh, the lineage is patrilineal right so from your father's line so even i think within endogamy there was this idea of gothras within the caste system where you're supposed to marry outside the patrilineal line but that would something like that have helped maintain some genetic diversity within a community or if you consider in a long term thousands of years several generation that may not really helps because maybe few generation it may helps again it's going a circle right uh, one has to find partner from the same community so that's what we are talking about right. and uh, they are not going to marry any anyone from outside that community so it's, it's making a circle maybe it delays a little bit but ultimately uh, all within the community and also just to add i think with the gotra thing you guys still have marriages within the family because so my aunt when she gets married to somebody else will have a different gotra so right. i might still be able to marry my cousin so the dna shared is still going to be there even the gotra is different i'm yes, still married and, and we've heard of cousin marriage within two generations yes. of us yes. in many yes. many communities yes. right yes. and so uh, so what kind of problems can this cause yeah uh, yeah so that's very very interesting uh, study which we did very recently to understand what is the impact what would be the impact of this endogamy uh, which is being practiced by many communities in india we took large number of samples 275 population groups okay 2800 samples and try to understand how two unrelated individuals share a common dna stitch we call it as haplotype the reason is 
if there is a dna change we call it as a mutation in the forefather and if the mutation is called as recessive mutation which would cause recessive disease in the sense if the mutation is in one of the chromosome uh, it will not cause any phenotypic change of an individual right so the person remains healthy remains but, healthy but it's like a carrier as right? a carrier you can ah. call it as carrier if two such individual boy and girl carry a mutation one of the chromosome if they marry there's a chance of 25% chance that they contribute the abnormal chromosome to the next generation therefore right. there's a disease right with this idea if you look at the we scientifically called as ibd score identity by descent if two unrelated individuals share a common uh, haplotype or dna stretch is identical if that carry a mutation if the two unrelated individual today that means they are from the same common ancestor thinking that they are not related and if they marry that's when the problems going to start okay such a condition is very very high among indians at least one third of the population which we analyzed out of 275 81 of them have high ibd score that means okay. the identity by descent score is very very high that means although today they are unrelated but several generation back they are related so the founder has the mutation or forefather or foremother has a mutation it would have circulated in this population and the frequency of that mutation must have increased and two of them who carry the mutation in heterozygous condition that means one chromosome is normal one is affected they, they, there's a chance that they marry and give rise to individual with the disease okay so that condition is high among indians if you compare to askenazi jewish population and finnish population these are the two population has been well studied for endogamy uh, endogamy and the impact of endogamy and large number of disease has been uh, reported and large number of mutation which are associated with the disease also been reported so it's very well known fact so we compared these two population with large number of indians we found large number of indians are several fold higher chance of having mutation and the disease compared to asganasis jewish population and finnish population that's very very dangerous so each one is even even worse than that <laughs> if you talk to talk about the disease pattern so large number of them although today we don't know how many of the populations are carrying the population specific disease but the genetic is reflecting that yes definitely there is a large number of population specific disease and most of them are not even come to the attention of the medical community it's very very sad uh, could you maybe give us a few examples of this the kinds of communities that you've studied over the last uh, several years the kinds of uh, diseases with strong genetic links now from what i understand there are many conditions from uh, 
diabetes to many cholesterol related illnesses which are very complex right i mean they have a genetic component they have environmental component our health history and all of this but there must be some which are pure genetic uh, diseases which i guess are easier to study uh, some disease like the multifactorial disease like uh, diabetes or cardiovascular disease there are several genes are involved in uh, mm. in causing the disease in addition to the environmental factors our lifestyle and many more factors and also these diseases are common so if we take uh, 100 individuals we find at least 10 of them are diabetic or 5% of them are uh, cardiovascular disease and many more so the those are very common diseases so what we are talking is the rare and the population specific disease that mean the disease is restricted to only that population right so that kind of thing uh, you find one third of the population to analyze are likely to have such kind of diseases dr sangra so uh, we started off with having two populations the ancestral south indian and the ancestral north indian who have admixed in various ways to create these different subpopulations uh that have now stayed endogamous for uh the past 1000 years do we have any understanding of uh when or how they might have picked up these unique uh mutations that are causing these diseases to be present in one sub population but not in the other where while they are in the same geography right so they are all within india yet we have different mutations that have turned up uh, is is one can predict the age of the mutation if we identify the mutation for example uh we identified a mutation which causes uh, this is called cardiomyopathy there's a 25 base pair deletion in a gene called myosin binding protein c3 mm-hmm. gene so we identified that mutation then we sequence the entire gene of human uh, and also entire gene of chimpanzee and based on the mutation rate we predicted that was probably uh, arose 33000 years back okay, okay. uh similarly if we identify a mutation response for disease we can able to uh, understand the age of the mutation mm-hmm. uh, but before that we actually have to identify the mutation which is responsible for the disease so that's a big challenge mm-hmm. so so tell us a little more about cardiomyopathy from this particular source uh, what did you find in indian populations the cardiomyopathy is uh, one of the heart muscle disease Uh, which uh, leads to sudden cardiac death and there are three different kind of cardiomyopathy one is a dilated cardiomyopathy where the ventricle is enlarged beyond uh, the normal size other one is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy the heart muscle become very thick uh, and the third one is uh, restrictive cardiomyopathy where the heart muscle become very stiff okay so because of these condition uh, the efficiency of the heart for pumping the blood goes down suddenly stop functioning therefore sudden cardiac arrest uh, okay. people uh, collapse um we analyzed large number of individual particularly one of the mutation which we found uh, present in the myosin binding protein c3 gene there's a 25 base pair deletion uh, which actually removes one of the exon that's a, a coding region protein making region therefore the protein is truncated small size protein therefore it's unable to do its function right hence it leads to this kind of phenotype and the disease 
when we look for this mutation uh, in indian subcontinent we found on average about 4% of them are carrying this mutation okay in a heterozygous condition in a heterozygous condition earlier i mentioned that one chromosome is normal one is with the mutation right when the individual carry the mutation in heterozygous condition they live up to 40 or 45 years without any symptoms but after 45 years suddenly either uh, they're running or playing or cycling they may collapse and uh, on the spot they may uh, have to lose their life but in the mutation exists in the homozygous condition that means both the copy of the chromosome carry the mutation the individual die at very very early age less than 10 years uh, that we have uh, shown by looking at uh, the postmortem tissue of the children who died because of the sudden cardiac arrest so we found okay. a large number of them carrying the mutation in a homozygous condition okay when we try to look for its distribution along the india as i mentioned earlier it is uh, in existing almost in every state at 4.5% then we try to look uh, for how it is distributed all over the world and to our surprise we found that this mutation is restricted to only to south asian population but okay. not in the other countries or on the other continent suggesting that indians and south asians have very unique set up mutation which is not present in any other country um this is one example similarly there are several examples for many diseases suggesting that particularly if you take cardiovascular disease uh the frequency of individual with the cardiovascular disease were quite high in india so this could be reason why we are more prone for cardiovascular diseases similarly there are many examples there are research from say the united states about how the african american population in the us might suffer from a higher rate of diabetes so similarly any uh, examples of how individual communities in india um, have a higher predilection for one disease or another uh, one of the example could be the vaishyas so vaishyas are a small community in uh, andhra pradesh now they are also in telangana so they are for the last several years following a very strict endogamy and uh, several years ago has been found that they have a problem of pseudocholesterol enzyme deficiency so because of that uh, when somebody from vaishya goes to uh, hospital for surgery if the regular anesthesia is given to them most often they may not come out of anesthesia because of certain unique mutation which is not been found so far every drug which we take there are genes which metabolize breaks down therefore we will come out of anesthesia after some time right but here because of the mutation they are unable to metabolize the drug and they, therefore they are in the impact of the drug for very very long period and may leads to paralysis okay so although the gene is not been identified yet or the mutation has not been identified yet but what we found was for the last 108 generation 
this particular population is following the endogamy marriage. Okay. So there is no gene flow on both the sides. That means that they are not marrying anybody from outside and bring them into uh, their community. The same way, nobody is going out of this community and uh, marrying outside. Otherwise, this condition would have changed. Okay. So this is one example. There are several examples where you can see that there's a regional specific diseases. For example, Handikudu disease. There's a place called Handikudu in Karnataka. Uh, in that place, most of them are with disease uh, where their bone, both the ants and uh, leg bones are bent uh, and mostly they are in short stature. Um, because very unique condition. That's why it's named after the village as a handicudu disease. Yes, again, that regional specific. Probably some founding mutation which makes everybody in the village or most of them in the village are with this particular disease. So there are several examples one can... Uh, uh, and I'm sure there are thousands more that need to be researched. Yes. So, so these are the one which is just come out now. There are many more, for example, some diseases, uh, some mutation which may lead to very early death, premature death. Uh, there's no way that that information is reaching to medical community or any health uh, officials. Uh, in the village setup, if somebody dies one or two, they're not going to report anywhere. So like that, I'm sure that there could be many, many more conditions in uh, uh, in Indian subcontinent and also other South Asian countries because so India contributed about 50% of the genetic material to our nearby South Asian countries. So the okay. condition, what we see in India, is not only restricted to India, so we also expect that in South Asian countries. And by South Asia, you mean not just Pakistan, Nepal and Sri Lanka, but also maybe Indonesia, right? Because we have so a population... The, those who are continuing. migrated recently from India to uh, other countries, Southeast Asian countries like uh, Indonesia, one can also see that. There are some conditions where Indians settled in London for several generations right. uh, have been found with a specific mutation causing to neuromuscular disease. Mm. And in their health record and the database, they didn't find this mutation. When they try to, uh, when I collaborate with them, they try to uh, understand the origin of this mutation. Uh, so they asked me to look into the patients from our collections and found, of course, we didn't find any of those individuals, any of the individual who uh, have a similar disease carrying that mutation that could be some very unique mutation restricted to that population so we don't have the population information to go back and check it on the other hand there's also uh, one example where in Europe they have found a mutation which is responsible for microcephaly okay okay so they Shunk are Indian heads. origin hmm. uh, they try to understand about the origin of that mutation. Basically, they are from Sri Lanka, so we don't have a Sri Lankan sample. So they try to uh, understand whether that mutation is existing here. We found uh, in our populations, uh, three out of some few thousand individuals, 
carrying that mutation. So, of course, we didn't see uh, the impact of that, but similar mutation we also found in South India. So, it's not only useful to India and also useful to uh, Indians who are living in other countries. So, uh, Dr. Thangaraj, um, if the Finnish population and the Ashkenazi Jew population, um, the Jewish population, which is one, I guess both are more financially well off than most of our communities in India and the problems have been better studied. Uh, are there any systems that they have set up to help manage uh, these kinds of problems where, say, there is a risk of two people getting married and passing on a recessive gene to a child? Is there any yeah. way to prevent Yeah, that? yeah. Uh, particularly the uh, Ashkenazi Jewish. So they have an uh, organization called uh, Dor Eshrim. And this organization for the last several years, so they have made a database of the children. So they go to school, collect the samples, blood samples from the children, sequence them, put it in their database. And when the children grow, and they come to the stage, uh, the boy and girl uh, want to marry, and they go to the organization, Dorish room, and identify that boy, identify a girl, this is the girl I want to marry. Then actually they check, go back to the database, check their DNA sequence, whether both of them carry a same mutation, uh, because... The system is well established. They sequence all the disease condition. They identify the mutation. So they can just go back and look whether both boy and girl having the same mutation. If they have the mutation, they advise not to marry first. <laughs> Even they wish to marry, they say that, okay, this is a problem. You have this mutation, both of them, in heterozygous condition. Uh, they explain that what would be the consequences if you marry, there's a chance of 25% having children with the disease. So you better use the prenatal diagnostic test every time and see whether uh, the mutation exists in the homozygous condition, the fetus or not. If there's a homozygous mutation, absolutely true that uh, they're going to have a child with the disease. Uh, if the heterozygous condition, no problem. It's a carrier like both the parents, so right. there will not be any problems. So they, they can continue. So that way, one can actually predict the health condition or actually uh, give a better future generation uh, without the disease. So in this way, the Ashkenazi Jewish populations have eliminated a couple of disease from the population itself. Wow. So by looking at carefully uh, with the counseling and so on. So that is the one which actually need a country like India where we have seen that most of the Indians are having several fold higher chance than the Ashkenazi Jewish population to have a population specific disease. In the Indian context, Dr. Sangaraj, would you advise this to be done at a population level? So the 5,000 odd subpopulations that we have, yes. uh, they should do this individually for their own communities. Yeah, it would be better to do uh, uh, all the populations and if not all the population at least the population where it would be a good idea to begin with the population where we identified most of the population which has a high high BD score so that's the first step then go to the next step to 
expand the study to cover almost all the population. So, of course, there's a cost involvement is very high in this, but it's worth spending now to avoid future generation with uh, so many diseases. I like what you said that, you know, usually we talk about healthcare or we talk about preventive health. But what you're talking to us about is actually about predictive health, right? We can actually yes. anticipate what might come, Correct. take corrective measures or at least keep our eyes open That's for uh, something that is yeah. upcoming. Yeah, it's, it's both predictive as well as a pre preventive medicine. So okay. you first predict, yes, you have a mutation which may lead to the disease then it's going to prevent. So predict and prevent uh, and give a healthy generation to, to the future. So um, just a couple of questions uh, at the end, uh, Dr. Thangaraj. You said that this will cost a lot of money. Uh, could you just give us a, a sense of how much doing a full genome sequencing costs today? Uh, so full genome would cost few lakhs rupees okay um, but rather than going to full genome for everybody uh, we can actually target only the exomes because okay. the exomes are the one which is coding region uh, responsible for making protein which is essential for all the function so we can actually target only the all the coding region which may cost around 25,000 to 30,000 rupees per individual okay then we don't have to sequence all the individuals of the same population. You can select initially based on the phenotype, few families, maybe let's talk about 100 individuals who are with the disease and their parents. Once we sequence all these 100 individuals, identify the mutation. So that can be screened in all the population. Right. So once they have the data in hand, then we can actually counsel them whom they should marry, whom they should not marry. Or even if they are very strong, that they don't want to uh, follow <laughs> the non-endogamy practice. Yes, okay, you can follow. But one can do the prenatal diagnosis to avoid the fetus uh, with uh, homozygous mutation. So that way, if you practice this for few generation, you can actually end up in getting the very healthy uh, population in the future. Today, you may be investing a huge amount of money, but it's all will save what we are going to uh, spending in treating the patients. Rather than treating the abnormal patient, spend money to avoid all complications to have a healthy generation. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Thangaraj. As it's good that we are having this conversation in 2018 because this is also a time where I think health has become a political subject for perhaps the first time in Indian history. Individual famines, individual diseases were always captured uh, public imagination. Yes. But the idea that now we are talking about, be it Ayushman Bharat, yeah. or universal uh, insurance or something, yeah. uh, to me, it is a sign that Health is a subject whose time has come in India. Yes, I agree. And, you know, bold new policies need to be formulated. Absolutely. And uh, here's to hoping that we understand the human, India's 
population and its genetic diversity well so that uh, we can manage our healthcare much better yeah thank you thank you very much that's a, it's a great view to have something of this sort which would be even more better if this reaches to the public and reaches to the government so that some positive information comes and would be helpful for the future generation Dr. Thangaraj, I mean, it has been great having you here and your research clearly underscores uh, all of this predictive medicine that going forward would really be beneficial to the country. I wanted to ask how many other research groups in India or worldwide actually do this kind of research focused on the Indian population? For the Indian population study, not many. Um, uh, Professor Pata Majumdar's group uh, in Calcutta does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, but linking both the population and the health mm. is not in many places i guess some groups work on the genetic links to disease yes and maybe some others work on just population and public health yeah. yes right so and but this Connecting, is bridging the yeah, two yes yeah, a bridging the two so we okay. clearly need more research that kind yes. of bridges this Yeah. to be able to get a clearer picture of what Indian yeah. is going forward. Right. So on a personal note then, Dr. Tangaraj, how did you get interested in doing this kind of research? Yeah, we started uh, about 20 years back. Actually, during my MPhil, I did some population study. PhD, of course, uh, it's entirely different cytogenetic aspects of mental retardation. So uh, I've been... doing genetic study right from my phil and phd days and when i joined ccm there's an opportunity uh, uh, i joined with the kalalji singh who initiated some of the population study so at that time onwards so we initiated and uh, we established large number of collaboration within india with several um, universities and colleges where students used to come and do the dissertation work who bring the sample from their own place otherwise collecting such a huge number of sample is very difficult so each one used to come with 100 samples from different <laughs> community so do the work and we used to publish uh, the study along with the students then then the remain uh, the, the dna remains a part of ccmb that's so why we have huge collections of the samples so Uh, Dr. Thangaraj, thank you again for uh, coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to have you, and it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you about everything from human history <laughs> to modern healthcare challenges. Yeah, thank, thank you. you very thank much, you. and uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for staying with us till the end. If you have any questions for Dr. Thangaraj or for us, do write in to podcast at thinkpragati dot com. Visit our website at thinkpragati.com for your daily dose of brain fodder on all things public policy. You can subscribe to the Pragati podcast on the IVM podcast app or wherever else you get your podcast from. We're there everywhere. Look, up in the internet, it's a meme. No, it's a cat video. No, it's the Geek Fruit podcast. That's right. We interrupt this riveting broadcast to tell you about our show, the Geek Fruit podcast, where Tejas Dinkar and I, Jishnu, talk about everything in pop culture, including DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Netflix, and everything in between. You know how your friends hate it when you ramble about some nerdy crap, and you just want somebody to listen to you. 
Well, sorry, there's nothing we can do about that. But come listen to us ramble, and it'll almost be like the real thing, kind of. Listen to new episodes of the Geek Fruit podcast every Monday and the Geek Fruit Bulletin every Thursday on iTunes, Google Podcasts, the IVM app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy listening, you nerds! Did you know that Parsis in Mumbai, instead of being left at the Tower of Silence after they die, are now cremated? And why? Because a cow fell sick in the early 1990s. Did you know that the smog in Delhi is caused by something that farmers in Punjab do, and that there's no way to stop them? Did you know that there wasn't one gas tragedy in Bhopal, but three? One of them was seen, but two were unseen. Did you know that many well-intentioned government policies hurt the people they're supposed to help? Why was demonetization a bad idea? How should GST have been implemented? Why are all our politicians so corrupt when not all of them are bad people? I'm Amit Verma, and in my weekly podcast, "The Seen and the Unseen," I take a shot at answering all these questions and many more. I aim to go beyond the scene and show you the unseen effects of public policy and private action. I speak to experts on economics, political philosophy, cognitive neuroscience, and constitutional law, so that the insights can blow not only my mind but also yours. The Seen and the Unseen releases every Monday. So do check out the archives and follow the show at seenunseen.in. You can also subscribe to The Seen and the Unseen on whatever podcast app you happen to prefer.